Welcome to the Q. Conversations in digital media. This podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media. Digital campaign execution and optimization since 2004. Our next episode is queued up and ready to roll. Thank you for listening. You're in the queue. Welcome to the queue, everyone. Conversations in digital media. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media. Q1 Media partners with agencies and brands all across the nation for all of their digital marketing needs. Whether it's a large agency or brand or the local agency trying to bring yourself into that digital marketing space, Q1 Media's experience can help you navigate the nuances of digital marketing. Please check out Q1 Media's website at q1media.com. That's Q, the number one, media.com. You can view case studies, examples of the work Q1 Media does, and even check out episodes of this podcast, The Q, Conversations in Digital Media. Feel free to reach out to us by submitting your information on the website, and one of our Q1 Media dedicated experts will be in touch with you shortly. All right. Well, today we had a great conversation with Andrew White. He is the um, founder of Student Loan Hero, which is a website that helps students uh, really refinance their student loans, help them get out of the massive debt that they collected. Uh, Andrew started the company back in 2012 after exiting college and collecting so much of that debt and decided to do something about it. So we discussed many different things about starting the business, uh, being a 100% online business, and then even kind of diving into the marketing details and how he really grew this company and was able to eventually sell it to LendingTree this past year. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. You're in the queue. All right. Well, thanks, Andy, for uh, joining us here on the queue. Um, I know you're not used to... uh, Heading up in traffic in Austin, how, how was it today? It wasn't bad. I, I came up here the other day. I'm a wrestling coach at UT, and I had to go to Anderson High School, and it was like 40 minutes, but today, oh. was, only, today was only 13. So it's the lovely Austin traffic. Austin traffic was not bad today. Well, you're used to it. You've been here for how long? Four years now, oh, yeah. Four years, four years. So um, obviously, if you look up Andrew Josewhite on uh, and Student Loan Hero Online, you can find uh, you successfully started uh, a business straight out of college. Uh, we're able to go through years and years of, uh, of of hard work, and then grow this business to what it was. And then you just recently sold it to Lending Tree, um, and at age thirty one, successful entrepreneur. Now you're kind of doing investing, you know, consulting for yep. companies, um, you know. But I really want to just kind of discuss with you is, is really like, you know, where'd you start? Like, where'd you come from? I know you're not from Austin, but like, you know, where did? Uh, how did you kind of? start in or get that gene of starting a business? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a long winded story. It depends, you know, if we want the short version or long version, but, um, always the long, the, the, we'll start with the short version. Um, so I, I I graduated uh, college in 2009. I, uh, graduated with a lot of student loan debt. And, um, when I got out of school, it was a terrible job market. Um, couldn't get a job. Uh, I had about $70,000 of student loan debt. And every time I'd call my student loan servicers, I was getting terrible financial advice. I'd, I'd call up Sally May or I'd call up these other companies. And um, I'd get different answers from the, the customer service reps I was talking to. And it, at the end of the day, it was really frustrating. Um, you know, I was a 21-year-old and never had debt before in my life. And I was like the worst time, too, to come out in 2009. The yeah. recession. 
no jobs. <laughs> I was like super defeated, and um, you know, I, 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 so I couldn't get a job, and I started another company just building websites. I taught myself how to build websites. I studied economics in college, so I had to learn that skill set. Grew that business for about three years, and then in 2012, um, I was living in San Diego. Uh, I was randomly working at this co-working space, and this kid walked in and said, "Hey, there's this really cool business incubator called Startup Chili." Um, the only problem is the application is due tonight. So me and my business partner at the time, we filled out the application, got accepted into Startup Chile, and uh, found our way down to Chile for, for about a year, and they gave us 40K equity free. Um, and when we got down there, we actually went down with a different business idea. Uh, and we, we started testing that idea out, and um, ultimately we didn't, we didn't like that business for some fundamental issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we pivoted and, and we kind of wrote down all of our ideas and problems that we had as entrepreneurs on, on a, a spreadsheet and talked to a bunch of our advisors. And we, we, you know, I, I had this cancer in my life. I was bleeding and basically it was my student loans. And so, um, you know, I said, <laughs> Which how a lot, a lot of kids deal with, I mean, that's yeah, something yeah. That, um, and and there's literally millions of Americans that, that that have student loans in this country, and so you know we sat down and we said how how can we help student loan borrowers have a better a better experience, and how do we how do we help educate student loan borrowers pay repay their student loans? And that's that's really where it started uh, back in 2012, and, and like you said, um, we we grew that business from 2012 to 2018. Um, we exited to LendingTree. Um, uh, late last year, uh, it was a big, big success for everybody. And uh, you know what I'm most proud about is we had a fully remote team, uh, which is pretty rare. And then we were also able to to bootstrap the company, which is also really rare. So yeah. um, they were they were two really cool parts of the business. Oh, that's great. Uh, so let's go back. I know great for the story. I mean, that's like your your start to finish. But there's a lot of hardship <laughs> in between there. Uh, let's go back to, to 2000, I guess it was 12 when you're in San Diego, like, you know, thinking about really uprooting, you know, you're still strapped with this student loan debt. You're what, 22, 23 years old, not sure what you're really going to do. And you're, you get this venture of, Hey, let's go to, to Chile. Um, which a lot of people are scared to do what really kind of helped make that decision yeah, so that and that the answer to that question goes way back to high school. Like I, I grew up in in Pennsylvania, kind of very rural country, and um, there wasn't much going on. And I said, you know, I, really, really early on, I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. My my parents were entrepreneurs, and um, I wanted to study business. So I, I said, okay, let's look at some business schools. I found a really good school up in Boston uh, called Bentley College, and um, I ultimately went there. Ended up with a lot of student loan debt, but yeah. uh, you know it got me it got me out of out of my hometown and kind of exposed me to a lot of different uh, things. And then while I was there, I had the opportunity to study abroad, and I, I studied in uh, Vienna, Austria. Had a really great experience, and that kind of uh, instilled this travel bug in me and learning about different cultures and seeing how different people live. That was like a big. Big growth. So going to Chile wasn't like a. Well, <laughs> you know, it started back in in college, and then after college, I couldn't get a job, so I moved to Africa and took an internship in Ghana. Wow. Um, and it was an unpaid internship. And I was trying to build a resume, so when I come back to the U.S., I'd get a nice corporate job, and that didn't happen. So then um, I was living on unemployment, uh, making you know, I, I my unemployment check was like four hundred bucks a month. And uh, I had like 400 bucks in my bank account. And my, a, a kid I met studying abroad, um, we decided to start a, a, this website company together. 
And the only way that we could really make that work is if I moved to Asia mm-hmm. and lower my cost of living. This is like when I started getting into four hour work week with Tim Ferriss and um, yeah. sort of learning about like lifestyle design and that type of thing. So we moved to Asia uh, and we were there for a little over a year, but how we, how we afforded that trip is we actually pitched a bunch of travel agencies and said, Hey, we'll do digital marketing, uh, for, for your brand. So we what approached digital marketing. Um, prim- this is when like, this is like 2009. So this is like right when social media is starting to blow up and, and, uh, you know, SEO is starting to kind of take hold mm-hmm. uh, in, in a commercial way. So we said, hey, we'll manage your blog, we'll manage your Twitter, we'll manage your Facebook, and then we'll shoot YouTube videos. So we actually nice. shot all these videos and edited them. And we pitched about um, 10 different uh, youth oriented or college oriented travel agencies, and we landed one. They ended up paying us three grand a month. So we moved to Asia. And that goes a long way there. Yeah, we were, you know, we were living on $1,000 a month, so you know, we were living like kings. And then uh, that extra, extra cash that we had, we poured it into building our first company, which was uh, a website. We were, we were building uh, WordPress websites, and then we were also doing uh, you know, local SEO and, and paid marketing and mm-hmm. that type of thing. And we, did, we didn't know anything about that, so we, we really were self-taught. But we right. were using this money from the, the travel agency gig to kind of fuel this business, right? Um, so you know, going to Chile to answer your question, I know that was that was around no, that way, good. but um, going to Chile was like you know, I I already lived abroad in three different countries, and I'm like, I love this, you know, I love this lifestyle, and I love learning about different cultures and getting out there, and so it was a really easy easy choice to go to Chile. It wasn't scary at all. So when you started it, I mean, I know it was very difficult to launch Student Loan Hero, and you know the the process of building this website up. Uh, what were some of the challenges, you know, with just you and your business partner partner starting out, and you know, really in a different country, really yeah. acclimating. You know, how does that how does that work? Yeah, I mean, um, we were lucky to have a great team. So the three of us were pretty technical. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, a technical co-founder who was our CTO. He was a full stack developer. Um, and then my, my other co-founder was a front-end developer. I was a UX um, expert at the time. And so, you know, we, we had enough uh, skills to kind of put stuff together and hack stuff together. So we weren't really concerned from a technical perspective. I think, you know, we were looking at the student loan problem and we weren't sure how to monetize it. We weren't sure how to turn it into a business. Right. We said, okay, well, you know, people are bleeding. They're, right. they're suffering. Um, how exactly do we make this financially... Uh, viable. And so, you know, we, we started hashing out a bunch of different ways to monetize and, and how we could deliver services to consumers. Um, we, initially, Student Loan Hero was a B2B business. So we mm-hmm. were selling Student Loan Hero into colleges and universities to give to their students to help them manage that. We said, you know, as a college, like your alumni office probably wants to take care of the graduates and not just put them out in the cold, yeah. but give them a system or software that makes it easier for them to repay their student loans. Not just calling them and asking for more money after they graduate. And, exactly. hey, donate some to the Alumni Association, but, hey, how about you also maybe try to manage this exactly. thousands and thousands of debt? Um, I know, you know, I don't know if you're comfortable saying it, but how much debt did you end up, you know, racking up? Yeah, so, years? you know, during my entrepreneurial journey, I, I graduated with about 74000 And at the peak of it, right around 2012, 2013, it was up yeah. to about 107000 So, and that was because I deferred it, you know, yeah. it was all interest. and um, Is that pretty, I mean, 
standard? I mean, most kids, is that higher than the average uh, student loan debt that's out there? Yeah, that is, that is higher than the average. The average is right around about 35000 okay. Um So, you know, I went to I went to a fancy, expensive private school in Boston, <laughs> and, you know, I didn't come from a super wealthy family. So, um, you know, I was stuck with a, with a large bill at the end of it. A lot of kids do, though, because it's, you know, there's, I think it's so commonplace, too, especially within uh, how expensive college is just gotten over the years yeah unfortunately people who are in the millennial generation have had to think okay well college is that step we're you know in order to get a job then you rack up all the student loan debt you come out of school in 2009 which is the worst time there's no jobs yeah you know all that we were promised (laughs) and saying oh yeah you're gonna get all these jobs like going to college and having a good gpa is gonna get you the job and here it is and it's not there yeah um, so you start Student Loan Hero. It's obviously a 100% online business. You're going B2B. Um, you know, then, you know, did you have to start working with, you know, other lending companies? You know, was there eventually... Uh, yeah, know, so um, as, as we launched this B2B business and we were, we were selling it into colleges and universities, we quickly found out that a lot of colleges didn't have the budget for this. Mm-hmm. And, and the incentives weren't aligned. If... if they helped their students pay their stu- repay their student loans. They couldn't figure out how to financially benefit from it. Right. You know, these colleges they really are incentivized to get kids in the door, but once you leave the institution and they're not collecting a paycheck from you, you, you don't matter as much to yeah. them. So, um, you know, we we tested that business model out. We couldn't sell it, and um, we started just asking ourselves, what's the problem here? And one of the problems was we built this product. It allows you to sync all your student loans in one place. We ran some fancy calculations to help you understand what your total payoff's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of information issues with student loans. Like if you pull your, your data from a lot of your servicers, it won't even have the interest rate. So we were helping people... Um, using kind of machine machine learning and algorithms, we would figure out what your interest rate should be on that that unknown piece of data. And so... Because um, a, a lot of kids don't know. A I lot mean, of kids don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. there's not... It's not easy to access that information with yeah. whatever lending company. And loans get bought out by different companies. And yeah. It's very frustrating for anybody. Yeah, so we, we built this piece of software that, that made it really easy for you to understand all your student loans. Mm-hmm. Um, but we couldn't we, we still couldn't figure out how to monetize it. We, right. At the end of the day, we weren't getting a ton of traction. Like when we went to market and we started distributing this thing, we, we went out to TechCrunch and VentureBee and all these startup publications and we were getting press releases done. And that was that was great. You Some know, guerrilla we marketing tactics. Guerrilla marketing, yeah. just, just knocking on doors sending out emails and that kind of got our foot in the door a few places but those things are really shots in the arm and they're not sustainable so you know we'd see this little spike in traffic but two weeks later we're back to to ground you know step one so um we, we we said you know what's a what's a more sustainable model here and we started testing out a lot of different marketing channels so then we we went into kind of facebook advertising we started uh producing blog content and and really pushing on seo in the early days, like I was actually writing the blog posts and oh, wow. I was answering the questions that I had for myself. You know, I was customer number one. Yeah. And so I understood what questions I had and I started, you know, producing content on our blog that answered this, these, these questions. What do you think the benefit of, of you starting this company knowing you already had student loan debt, 
you are the customer. Yeah. I mean, did that play a huge role? In this? 100%. Yeah. I mean, you have to, if you're, if you're building a company, you need to understand who your customer is and what they want and need. And I was patient number one. And, um, I was building a, a tool and solution for myself, really. Yeah. So how did so you got into social media? Obviously, back then it's still it's, it still isn't what it is today. But 2012, 2013, Facebook starts offering ads, and it's a little bit more accessible. How was that process? And you know, did you see, did you start seeing a lift after using social media? Yeah. So we started testing social. Um, we were doing like traditional social media management. We had a few account managers do, doing the organic approach, and then we were mm-hmm. also doing small paid budgets. Um, Student loans are a funny thing because they're the thing that's that's all the way in the back of your brain where mm-hmm. that you, you try to ignore and 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 hide from. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so social for us was really challenging. I think you know when you're on social media, a lot of it's a, a tool of escape, mm-hmm. and you're planning your next adventure, you're planning your next vacation, you're thinking about you know those shoes you want to buy or whatever. You're it not is. thinking of the extra money you could spend no. to like put towards your student no. loan debt. So we started advertising there and pushing on it and we really weren't getting a lot of traction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, when we were at full scale and back in 2018, we were spending a little over $2 million a, a year on all of our channels. Um, social was never a huge, a huge driver for right. us. It, it, it was break even at best. Um, it, it typically wasn't profitable. Um, but we did it to kind of rise all tides Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was really hard to, to figure out the analytics behind it and figure out, Hey, if we get an email subscriber from Facebook, what's the value of, of this customer over 12 months Mm -hmm. through, through email and retargeting and stuff. So, um, it's hard to, to understand the true impact of, of social. Yeah. So with the approach of social media, do you think there was a better, like, the organic approach or sponsored posts or paid ads on newsfeed or right rail, like what yeah. typically, you know, was a, yeah. you took on that? So a false positive for us was, um, when, when Trump was, was running for president, um, there was a lot of, uh, proposals coming out around the Department of Education and what we're going to do with with uh, spending. And so we produced content around that and we put it out in, in the news feed. Mm-hmm. And that was actually getting a ton of engagement. People were really fired up. Anything political gets, gets a lot of engagement to yeah. ten, typically, but we weren't seeing conversions. So the intent was super low. Right. So it was, you know, we're like, holy shit, like we're getting, you know, two cents a click. Like this is incredible. Like yeah. We're going to, we're going to make bank next month. <laughs> and, um, at the end of the day, you know, you look at the data down at the end of the funnel and it's, it's not converting. It's, it's definitely a branding approach. I mean, you're, you're getting the name out there. You're scaling pretty large because you're not yeah. limited to a geo target or a state zip codes or whatever. I mean, you're basically targeting anybody who has student loan debt. Yep. Um, there's millions and millions of people on Facebook. Those impressions go far away. Yeah. But like you said, you know, it's not necessarily the most convertible, um, medium. Out yeah. There. And, and just, just for everybody listening, like, so they understand the business model. We ultimately pivoted to, um, providing student loan refinancing, 
uh, mm-hmm. for consumers. So um, we were working with a network of lenders, and basically these lenders would help uh, student loan borrowers lower their interest rates. So interest rates used to be high. After the recession, interest rates got cut severely, so there was a, a big arbitrage opportunity for consumers to save a lot of money. And so we partnered with companies like SoFi and Common Bond and uh, DRB, and uh, these banks would would take your 7 8% interest rate from grad school or um, even undergraduate and lower it to, to 4 to 5%, even lower if it's variable. Uh, and then the lenders would pay us a commission. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from a marketing perspective, uh, we didn't get paid until the uh, the customer was actually signed up, they got approved. Um, they went know. through the process. They went figured the out underwriting the, the best process. interest rate to go with. Yep. And, yeah. and so we didn't we didn't actually get approved um, or we didn't get paid until the, the customer uh, was approved and accepted right. uh, the loan. And so that made our attribution funnel really challenging because the checkout wasn't on our property. Mm-hmm. It was we had to wait for data to come back from our partners, and then we'd have to match it up with our marketing campaigns, and it yeah. was a nightmare. Um, Different from an auto store who's got a showroom who could see the cars driving off the lot. <laughs> yeah, or if you if you have an auto e-commerce site and yeah. you're you know somebody buys a muffler on your site, you can mm-hmm. see the checkout today. Yeah, right. If I spend a Facebook. I, I spend money on a Facebook click and I see a checkout today, I can attribute that very easily and quickly. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it was it was tough from an attribution perspective. One, one other thing I want to touch on is um, I really appreciate the fact that we are aligned, um, our incentives were aligned with finding the right people that could actually benefit from refinancing and helping our lenders uh, find customers Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of businesses in the affiliate space that are cost per lead or cost per click and we were basically cost per funded loan and and revenue per funded loan yeah and for them yeah it really forced us to think about who the customer is who's the right customer who's actually going to get approved what are the the segments that we have to attack and Mm -hmm. and who's who's the core demographic that's going to ultimately lead to revenue and it really forced us to hone our our marketing efforts so during that process, you've done Facebook, uh, blog content, SEO. You're getting content out there like you know normally a business should do when you're starting out. You really want to get all the as much content, build the equity in your website because that is your that's your storefront. Yeah. Um, even with clients who have an actual storefront, that's the website's still really their first storefront. Yeah. Uh, at that point, you know, did you start to then dabble in display media for, you know, direct site placements? You know, what did you start see seeing when you started to get some more, you know, I yeah. guess, uh, uh, marketing budget? <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you I mean, start spending it, it? you know, um, at, at the end of, of student loan here, like when, when I was still there, um, our approach was we're going to create this flywheel, a marketing flywheel, and it's going to it's going to be a fully comprehensive marketing strategy. It's going to have social, email, paid, SEO, display, um, you know, affiliate or referral, whatever, uh, traditional PR. And so we invested in all those channels. Um, one of our core values as a company was was be a scientist. So we expected all of our employees to be uh, data-driven and use data as our, as our headlights to make decisions. Mm-hmm. And so if, if a channel was too expensive uh, or too far away from ROI, we would usually either cut that budget or, or trim back that budget and, and try to get it to break even or profitability as quickly as possible. And, yeah. um, you know, at the end of the day, like, 
most of our traffic came from organic and we had a pretty large editorial team. We had over 20 writers and editors. They were producing over 200 blog posts a month. How many people did you have on staff total? uh, About 70 full-time. 10 10 were offshore, but uh, 60 full-time U.S. employees. And all remote, 100%? Yeah, we were were fully fully remote as a company. That's great. Um, And then the people who, you know, were writing the content, where were they putting that content? Was it, you know, direct site placements, native content? Like, what what type of display yeah so display we are running uh google display network Mm -hmm. we're also running uh retargeting from from google um we tried ad rule role we tried tabula um Mm -hmm. with with very i wouldn't even say success we were we were severely unprofitable there um we did Facebook. I mean at the end of the day facebook and and adwords were our two biggest channels and um, search engine marketing yeah yeah um Facebook, not so much because it's harder to, to advertise based on intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, SEM, it's you know you could you could bid on keywords that show intent, and yeah. you can look at, at at your funnel and figure out which is actually converting. So. It's also closer to the funnel purchasing funnel um, because people are typically um, in a in a ready to purchase mode. Yeah, you know their their intent is to find. Yeah. A reason you know they're already out there searching. How do I get rid of the student loan debt? What am I? This is the point where I'm ready to to decide about it, and it's not in the back of my brain. I'm 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 actually ready to to make a decision and make some effort. Uh, where Facebook, like you said, you know the funnel, it's much higher on that funnel because it's still the branding play. Yeah, you're in a user experience that's a lot different. Uh, where somebody is maybe uh, you yeah. know looking at their mom and dad's. <laughs> profile or whatever or yeah. grandma's checking out their yeah. uh their kids uh pictures online uh so i guess from an sem standpoint like what type of success did you see uh from that when y'all started like really you know throwing a budget at it yeah i mean um i, I can't really go into to numbers mm-hmm. um you know our, our our parent company lending tree is publicly traded so i can't really disclose the the actuals but um you know, at the end of the day, SCM was was profitable. Um, some months we were at break even, depending on on competitor spend mm-hmm. and uh, seasonality. But um, you know, SCM was definitely our most profitable channel. And then uh, display, we had a false start. We early on, I forget what year it was. It was like 2014, 2015. We started testing out programmatic. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, both programmatic SEM and display. Was it with uh, Google Network? Or? No, it was. Well, I don't know exactly what was used on the back end, but we were we were using a third party vendor to run the mm-hmm. run the whole system, and um, we started seeing a tremendous amount of on site conversions mm-hmm. at a lower cost. So we're like, holy shit! Like we're gonna. This yeah. is amazing. <laughs> and again, we looked further down the funnel, and none of it converted. So we drilled down into the data, and it was all coming from one IP address in right outside of Washington, D.C. So there was some type of uh, display um, ad fraud or click yeah. fraud happening. Um, it, 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 was, it was click fraud because these, these were actual actions on the property. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that was a we, – we spent almost 200, 300 grand on that test, and wow. it was literally like lighting money on fire. Well, that's the thing. I mean, with any campaign – you run, there's got to be brand safety verification with any, you know, whether you're using Moat, IAS, Double Verify within in every camp- campaign so you make sure you get human traffic. That is actually the time frame, though, that you're talking about 20, 
2012 to 2014 where bot traffic became a huge, huge problem within the industry. And it's gotten better uh, programmatically. I think, you know, with any company you go with, there's definitely, you know, checks put in place, whether that's, you know, utilizing a, a verification yeah. company to, to make sure and monitor all of that. So, no, that's that's funny you went through it. Not funny, but, like, interesting that you went through uh, yeah. what is very uh, common for a lot of yeah. people who were in the in the space at yeah. the time. And, and so we were new to it. Like, I haven't run budgets that big before, and, and we haven't we didn't run tests. We didn't get burned like that in the past. So that well, was a, a test that failed. It was, a, well, you know, ever since then we kind of changed our new channel approach. So we would spend minimal spends mm-hmm. and, and really verify the data before we, we increase spend. So we scaled with, with that programmatic, um, campaign pretty quickly to, to 200, 300 K. Yeah. And so whenever we launch a new channel, we'd only spend five K. Yeah. And then we'd, you know, reinvest that five and were you able to see, you know, results from a five K test and on a, like what, maybe a one month flight, two month flight. I mean, theoretically you should, right. There, mm-hmm. there should be enough sample size to, mm-hmm. to get some statistically significant results on a five K test. Um, Did so, you still like nationwide targeting or was there like a specific so approach? We, um, our conversion rate on mobile was almost half as much as desktop. So the I know mobile costs less, but I mean that's that's changing now. But yeah. um, back in, you know two three years ago, mobile was significantly cheaper, but we still couldn't get the economics to work from mm-hmm. a conversion perspective because who if you think about it, say you're at a bus stop or you're getting on the subway or uh, you know say you're at the bar and somebody talks about student loan refinancing, you you Google it. And are you ready to make a fifty, sixty, hundred thousand dollar decision at the bar, or at are a, you also willing to spend so much time to type in yeah. all the necessary information? Yeah. To start so then, the you, yeah, then you have to fill out a form that's yeah, yeah. you know social security, income. You mm-hmm. got to upload your W twos and pay stubs, and so the conversion rate on mobile is terrible. And mm-hmm. um, so when we when we looked at segmentation or, or targeting uh, attributes, we would usually do U.S. only. Um, desktop only. Uh, if there was an age uh, qualifier, we'd, we'd look for 25 to 34. Um, you know, we were lucky enough to, to a lot of our, our lenders had, uh, this is probably getting too technical, but um, a lot of our lenders um, securitized their loans on the back end. So they sold them to investors um, in order to, to to create new demand and be able to go out to the market and refinance more people. Mm-hmm. And so they publicly uh, released all that data. So we would be able to see the average FICO score, which is your, your credit yeah. score, uh, average income, average age, occupations. So we were able to see a lot of the demographic data from those securitization reports and, and able to tighten up our marketing campaigns around that data, which you know helped us a lot. Did you know when you started those campaigns, like what your audience was going to be, or was it really like, hey, let's do a shotgun approach, and then you started to kind of dwindle down into that target, or did you kind of start with the approach of, hey, let's go target, you know, adults twenty five, thirty four? You know? Yeah, that was. So there was um, different people on the team had different opinions on that. Like, yeah. um, you know, with an SEM campaign, you don't want to drill down too quick. Because you'll 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 lose out on opportunities you didn't know existed. So um, and I was I was always like you know super 
focused on profitability and ROI that I would want to start small and then grow. Yeah. But if you talk to a lot of uh, campaign managers that run run SEM campaigns, they want to start big and then zoom in. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a conflict we we never you know resolved. Do you usually win that battle? Yeah, <laughs> I had the the ultimate veto. The veto. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. you know, I gave our team a lot of. A lot of leeway, yeah. and as long as they were, you know, we, we really tried to empower our team and, and you know, use, use data. And as long as you're using data correctly, you know, the answers will emerge pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, as far as matching, you know, whether it was placing UTM codes within your SEM campaign, setting goals within your analytics, that was something you had somebody really analyze on a day-to-day function. Exactly. Um, you know, that's something that yeah. I think with any online business – that's you. It's like driving blind if you don't have that stuff set up. Hundred percent. Yeah. So it's uh, that's key to have it placed. I know you did some um, some like more guerrilla tactics throughout the the course of uh, the time you're you're with Student Loan Hero. I guess you know what maybe was sort of like a learning moment for you guys. Did y'all do anything that you were like, oh wow, that was awesome, but. Yeah, we won't do that again. Yeah, so one of our most successful um, kind of grassroots or guerrilla campaigns was uh, a Reddit AMA. So we, um, it's really easy to set up an AMA. Um, you just find your your subreddit that you're looking for, and then you contact the moderator and say, "Hey, I'd love to do an AMA, and here's who I am." And um, so it was really easy to get set up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the day of, uh, we. Um, sent out an email to our email list and we had I think like 250 300,000 email subscribers so we said hey we're on reddit come ask us questions and an AMA is just so for those that don't know it's it's basically just it's ask, conversations ask user conversations ask me anything hey I'm Andy I had a bunch of student loans what student loan questions do you have I'm happy to happy to answer answer them and you got to answer try to <laughs> yeah we, we would try to answer all of them um so you know this is like a dirty little trick of, of reddit but i had a team of 10 people sitting there with me answering questions and we we would sit there with a google doc uh sheet open we would copy and paste all the new questions that are going in and then we would one of our team members we had a, a staff of 20 writers and editors that are writing about student loans all day long how long is this ama live yeah, so we would we would do it for like usually six hours, six to eight hours. Um, so it's like a all day event for the team. Get your coffee ready. Get your coffee, <laughs> pack a lunch, and yeah. sit by your computer all day. And so um, it was going really well. Like we we sent it out to our email list, and that seeded a lot of the initial questions. And I, I don't exactly know how how Reddit's algorithm works in terms of uh, getting to the front page, but. Um, there was a lot of engagement really quickly and a lot of questions really quickly and a lot of upvotes and um, we were answering a lot of stuff and, and we broke the, the, the top uh, 10 uh, on Reddit. On and then, Reddit. yeah, and then I think that the highest we got that day was like four or five. Um, was that a good thing? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I shot myself in the foot a little bit. I told my team if we break the top five, I'll, I'll, we'll have a pizza party. And, you know, having <laughs> at that time we had about 30, 40 employees and having a remote pizza party is really challenging. So <laughs> I have a pizza, a favorite pizza restaurant in Pennsylvania that I grew up going to. And I called him up. What and, part of Pennsylvania? Uh, northeastern PA, like uh, two hours north of Philly, uh, near Wilkes-Barre, Scranton area. And uh, this is called Pizza Perfect. Going to give Pizza Perfect a shout out here. Um, so if you're ever in Pennsylvania, stop at Pizza Perfect. But they also or they also ship uh, all over the U.S. and internationally. 
So they'll freeze it. They'll p- pack it with dry ice. And so I was on the hook. We, we actually broke top five on Reddit that day. And I was on the hook for delivering, you know, 30 pizzas to our team. And you had some <laughs> all across the world. Yeah. Russia, right? Yeah. Well, they didn't, unfortunately, they didn't get them. But, oh, uh, no. Yeah. But um, the, the, the takeaway from Reddit was super successful, drove a tremendous amount of traffic, was completely free besides the, the time and labor costs that you're spending on it. Mm-hmm. It generated, I think that campaign generated almost 40, 50 grand in a day. Um, but the problem is, you know, it was five o'clock, six o'clock. Uh, I'm a wrestling coach at University of Texas. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to wrestling practice. You guys got it. You got this under control, right? And so I come back from wrestling practice. I'm getting all these texts and phone calls. And they're like, Andy, you got you to gotta check this out. And at the end of the day, the trolls came in on Reddit <laughs> and started seeding a bunch of questions that were, you know, oh, Student Loan Hero steals all your data and information, which we don't do. But, the, you know, uh, legal lease, legal lease and terms and conditions, you know, are generally pretty vague. And yeah. so the trolls rolled in and we weren't we weren't responding to their questions. And then, you know, a troll will come come in behind a troll and it'll just go. It'll create a downward spiral. And, and so the end of the day was pretty traumatic. And, you know, people were calling me like a scam artist and saying student <laughs> loan heroes complete bullshit and so it was really disheartening because we had such a successful day everybody was super high and then um you know the 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 trolls kind of ruined our day there how is how do you mitigate that or is it even possible i mean i know it's it's tough you can't answer everybody and there's gonna be trolls out there and i think with the society we live in today there's all there's gonna be some negative press um, with a lot of brands, whether yeah. they're taking a stance on something. I know Nike even will take a stance. There's going to be negative press everywhere. but Yeah, I think you have to choose your battles. Like I was also on uh, Yahoo. I had like an op-ed on Yahoo Finance and um, was talking about how student loans severely impacted my relationship with my parents. Like when I had a lot of student loan debt and my parents were co-signing my loans and I couldn't pay them, I was affecting their... Uh, their credit score and their credit line. And so I, I wrote an op-ed on, on Yahoo Finance and said, you know, it, it created this issue with with my parents, my family. And I had all these people that are, are Yahoo readers saying, well, you should have be, be, you, you shouldn't have went to college and you should have been a truck driver. This, this is your fault, your fault right? Yeah. So uh, really disheartening, this is, really yeah. mean stuff. And so... That that conversation was out of our control. We 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 couldn't influence that conversation, though. That that demographic and that audience was gonna say whatever they wanted to say. Yeah. So you definitely have to pick your battles for the for the Reddit thing. Um, we we let the conversation spiral out of control when mm-hmm. we could have controlled it. Uh, if you do have trolls, uh, you, your job is to kind of get out ahead of them with the correct response. Don't antagonize or, or, you know, try to defend or whatever. Just say whatever's factually correct, mm-hmm. and they can take it however they want. And, you know, I don't think you're going to win all those battles. Um, I, we, we did an AMA after that, and we stayed later and monitored it. And yeah. it, it didn't spiral out of control. So. It was, uh, yeah, and that one, I guess you did a little bit more. You exposed a little bit more about how you monitor your your uh, finances. You gave an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, I looked up at that, and um, I'm sure you could probably still find it out there somewhere uh, with uh, kind of how you budgeted. 
You even put your your yearly income in this Excel spreadsheet. Really yeah. expose yourself, and obviously you're going to get backlash from people who maybe don't make as much. Yeah. Or there's going to be some reason out there that somebody's going to you know be negative. Yeah. Or find a way, even though you were putting most of that money back in towards your student loans to try and be debt free. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> Uh, so as for people listening, I know they're, you know, you're giving them great advice on, on how to go out there, but it, for someone who started a completely online business, started from scratch, um, with creative messaging, what type of tactics and approach would you recommend people taking, whether it's um, a, a particular message uh, within display ads or text ads on Google? Is there a... a an approach or a strategy that y'all took for that? Yeah, I think that was one of our weaknesses as a company. We didn't do a ton of creative testing, and I wish we did more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't even know if we ever figured out our messaging, to be honest. Like, um, our our primary message was, hey, you're going to save thousands of dollars on your student loans by refinancing. And, and all of our paid marketing was, was refinancing because that was the revenue driver. Right. Um, we did a lot of content not on refinancing, like public service loan forgiveness, income-based repayment. But um, the biggest thing that resonated with our audience was, hey, we're going we're gonna to save you a tremendous amount of money. Right. Um, and, you know, it's your, your creative and your messaging is different for your – you have to figure out what your audience wants, what your demographics want, what, what the value add is to your customer. In our space, in our customer, they really just wanted to, to save money. Yeah. So what's next? For uh, I know you've you've since uh, you know flown flown off into the sunset so to speak, yeah. but uh, with student loan here. But I guess you know now that you're investing in some companies, um, you know what's kind of the next. Yeah, thing? yeah. Uh, well, I'm playing a lot of video games right now. Uh, <laughs> just it, Fortnite. I just discovered Fortnite, and uh, it's fun. It's uh, it's a good it's a good way to spend my time. Uh, you know, I, I I was building Student Loan Hero for six, seven years and was working 10, 12 hours a day. So it's, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take some time off and relax. I'm going to do some traveling, going to Paris and Sweden coming up here in Mexico city. So doing some cool stuff and, um, just turning over a bunch of rocks. That's my strategy. Like you just have to get a lot of data points to look at. So I'm looking at some real estate. I'm looking at some online businesses that are for sale and just looking at the financials. Like I believe every company starts with, unit economics and, and, and strong accounting. So I look at, at the numbers and if, if there's something that works financially, and then I ask myself, well, is this something I want to do? Is this a brand that I want to be involved with? Is this how I could see myself spending my time over the next five years? Um, and uh, that's what I'm going to continue to do and just, just look at, at deals and investments in new companies because I just love business and love starting companies and growing companies and helping other people grow their companies and that's all I'll probably be doing for the rest of my life, hopefully. Well, I'm sure you'll have success because you've already uh, you've got that approach and you've already had one one good success in your belt. So not that everyone you've started a couple ones and maybe didn't work out. Yeah, so we didn't talk about we here. didn't talk about the the road of failures. <laughs> yeah, here, so. we're just gonna talk about the success. Yeah. Well, good luck to you and thanks for joining us in the cube. Cool. Thanks, James. Thanks.